0: And welcome to the GBC Big Three podcast, a weekly podcast where we sit down and unpack three big questions raised from our Sunday sermon. I'm your host for the last time, Jess Baker, and joining me, thankfully, once again, is Matt Willis. Woo-hoo. Welcome,
1: Matt. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. It is
0: so good to have you back. Oh, it's
1: great to be back here and just be hanging out yeah. And
0: yeah. So shooting the breeze. You've had a little third bubba.
1: Uh, we did. Uh, we had little Zeke. Zeke Samuel was born on the 6th of August. Mm, um, so he's almost five weeks old now. Um, So I'm highly sleep deprived and just delighting in every second of it. But yeah, yeah, so back at work, it's a rude awakening. Mm. Um, I am a little bit surprised though. um, The time that I was off, I was kind of expecting a bit of a record deal from the theme song that (laughs) I launched.
0: Was not heard of again. But speaking of the theme song, I brought it back. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. And because I am not original or creative at all, I've literally just ripped off your theme song Ooh. and made it my own. Um, for those of you who didn't listen to that episode of the podcast, this will be random. <laughs> um, but just bear I'm with so us. I'm so excited. Come along for the ride. Oh, I'm <clears distracted. <clears <throat> I'm tone deaf, by the way, just excuse me on this. <clears throat> Maddie Willis. Yes. Had his third baby, Zeke's crying. Yes, he is. Changing nappies and feeding, he's trying. Now I'm back on the big three, he's thriving. (laughs) Maddie Willis. Yes!
1: Oh my gosh.
0: So now we both have a theme song. Gosh,
1: it's like it's just it's the life I I live for, really. (laughs) That's just yeah. I feel like I've arrived.
0: You know, we think we're famous. Yeah, we I know. have theme songs. This we're excited is, about that.
1: I mean, we think we're funny. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, Matt, it is good to have you back. Oh, it's great to be back, my Excellent. friend. Well, in a moment, we're going to be joined by Mark Rader, who preached during our online services this past Sunday. Matt and I will be putting the big three questions to him as we dive deeper into the invitation from this week's sermon. For those of you who missed it, Mark launched our new series in the Book of Psalms called The Songs of the People, and you can listen to that message again through our regular GBC Sermons podcast. But for now, Matt, I'm interested in your thoughts coming out of Mark's message.
1: Yeah, awesome. Uh, I love the psalms so i was super pumped to get into this series but i've got to admit like i think the reason i loved the psalms is because they're poetic and they're kind of airy and it's just like oh they just make me feel warm fuzzy inside like when you read them and then raiders start to really get into i guess um the technical side of Mm. the of the way the psalms are written and and how by understanding that it can give us i guess a a more informed perspective of the psalm as a whole. And I was like, man, there's so much more to actually consider and there's actually so much more spoken about in Mm. the psalms than just the nice, warm, fuzzy feelings that you normally um, get when you read them. Uh, But I've got to admit, like my, my number one take home from Mark's message, and I don't know if this is a direct quote, but He spoke about how the honour of God transforms our experience of others. Mm. And uh, I don't know, that just kind of stood out to me, you know, in this psalm that was definitely a call to praise um, and that, you know, we've got this God who is our maker and our king and how he bestows, um, well, he delights in us and that that puts us in association with him. It it brings us closer to him and that that has this transformation transformative um, impact on then how we interact with others. I kind of, mm. I loved this little, that beautiful imagery of how it all just flows, flows from God through us to mm. the world. Um, it's not a new concept, I don't think, when it comes to scripture, but I, I don't know. It's been something that's been coming up for me a lot. Mm. Um, so just once again, it was just sneaky Jesus telling me, I think, something that I need to know. Sneaky that's Jesus. sneaky Jesus. He's a classic.
0: Yeah, I am the opposite to you. I don't, <laughs> I don't have mixed feelings about the Psalms. They kind of, they send me back into year 12 English mode Ooh, yeah. and that's not a fun place for me to be.
1: <laughs> Hyperbole yeah, and juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah. All
0: those big, <laughs> words. The um, big words. And so I kind of struggle with, with them a little bit. And so I'm, I'm quite excited to sit down and actually unpack a little bit more about this because <laughs> so, part of me was like, oh, I need to switch off. This is year 12 English. But part of me was like, no, it's Jesus. Listen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> So uh yeah, so I really need to unpack Strap in. this. Yeah, I'm ready.
1: <laughs> Excited with a with a drop of anticipation. Yes, like.
0: yes. I'm I'm just a little bit yeah. I'm not, I'm not at the level of the Psalms, but, but we'll, get, we'll there. get there. We'll get there. Um, well, I think it's time for us to start looking at the big three questions submitted through Slider this week. Matt, what are the questions we've got lined up? Yeah,
1: great questions mm. this re- week. Um, so question number one, how do we reconcile the violent nature of God's judgment with the invitation of a redemptive relationship? I think we've all been the there. It's Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, you know, there's some really hardcore... Mm. Like wrath of God, particularly mm. in the Old Testament, it's just like okay, um, we'll
0: I'm just, just ignore that. Part. I'm just going to sing my song
1: about Jesus <laughs> and love over here. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. ignore it. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Um, question number two: In our cultural context that is filled with entitlement, um, how do we train ourselves in humility? Um, I feel mm. like that's going to be one of those delightful questions that humility. reveals a little bit too much about who we are. Yes. And a bit of a burn. Um, So, yeah, I want to say I'm excited about that one. Maybe not. Um, We'll see. Um, And final question, at times that I don't understand God or feel disconnected from him, how do I live out real praise instead of pretending?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oof! We've all done that. Uh, We've all sat in the congregation during worship, and been like, "I'm just, I'm not in the mood right now, Jesus. I don't want to sing to you." Yeah. So this will be good.
1: Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's so true. I think it's a tale as old as time. That one. Yeah. Because um, yeah. yeah, you have those weeks where you just you're feeling off, or you're not For feeling sure. it at all. Yeah. Um, but yet we all come to church and put that smile on our dial and. Mm. <clears throat> So yeah, keen to keen to hear what Rader has to say about those. Yes,
0: well, to hear what Rader has to say, we actually have to have Rader here. <laughs> it's true. So welcome, it would be Raider, good <laughs> to the big three.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: Did you like my song? <laughs>
1: Just- Oh, my gosh, the silence. Oh, I feel that. We liked it. We song. liked it. We
0: liked it. I, I
2: think I'm just glad I don't have a theme song. <laughs> Not yet.
0: Not yet. Ooh. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Maybe we'll go for a different formatted song yeah. this Listen, time. Listen, let's be real. Yeah. If we
1: if we reference hockey, he'll swoon yeah. for sure. All right, we'll welcome yeah. that. Excellent. Good.
0: Harsh, um, harsh, <laughs> but fair. Yeah, so fair. Mike, you took us on a little journey of mm. um, church history, talking about this thing called the, the lectionary. Can you mm. explain a little bit more about what that?
2: Is what it means. Yeah, for independent churches and like Baptist churches would fall into that kind of category. um, It's it is something that's that's fairly unusual for us, but the lectionary, I can't remember when it was devised, but um, I want to say it was at least a thousand years ago. And it was essentially the recognition that um, churches, particularly when it was simply the Roman Catholic Church in Western Europe, that there was some, there was kind of a sense of let's all do this together, right? So there's this uniformity. And so they began to outline the sorts of passages that should be dealt with every week. And the lectionary has gone through a number of revisions. I can't remember when this latest one's been revised, But it has a three-year cycle, so year A, B, and C. Uh, And as I said, there are four readings, sometimes more, but one from the Epistles, one from the Gospels, one from the Psalms, and then from another section of the Old Testament. And and the idea is that over a three-year period, a congregation, because in in a, a congregation that uses the lectionary, there would probably be all four readings in a service. There'd be the Gospel reading and the Epistle reading and all those sorts of things. You end up hearing a fair chunk of scripture. Mm. You don't read the whole thing, but you read big chunks of it. And then preachers then have options. Um, and to preach the lectionary, you would either preach from one of the passages that's read that day. You might try to um, preach a kind of a combination if there's some thematic links, uh, or you might ignore them and, and preach on something different. Right? But the whole <laughs> idea is that the, is that the church is going through the Bible as a whole. So that that it, it, it's relatively simple, but... For a lot of Baptist churches, it's like election. What? Like, mm. what are we doing? That was very much so, my response. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but,
1: but yeah. I love that. So you you're saying that there could be other churches around the world somewhere that are reading these psalms at the there, same time.
2: There would be heaps of churches across the world. So many oh, mainline Protestant really denominations. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know how. I don't know. I, th- I believe that the lectionary readings that we're following are for uh, like the Anglican Church. So I don't know that it's the same with the Eastern Orthodox Church or the Catholic Church. But there would have been thousands. Tens of thousands of churches that read as part of their services on Sunday, Psalm 149. And so I think there's something really valuable. And that was part of the reason why we selected it as well. This mm. kind of recognition that we're, we're part of something big, yes. right? We feel so isolated right now and, um, and everything seems so strange. And we feel that way at the best of times, mm. like it's just our church and our thing. So yeah. I thought it was really helpful to kind of go, hey, the world is doing this. Mm. Why don't we join in? So I think that's pretty valuable.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Mm. All right, awesome. Well, let's get stuck into the big three.
1: All right. So, Mark, our first question um, obviously, Psalm 149, uh, you know, you referenced. The judgment you you reference the exile, which was obviously God's judgment on His people, um, and it's a common theme that comes out particularly in the Old Testament. Um, so, our first question: How do we reconcile the violent nature of God's judgment with the invitation of a redemptive relationship, which seems to be the common theme for the New Testament? So mm. how do we how do we do that?
2: Yeah, I mean, to a large extent, that question of the violence of God mm. uh, is is a fairly significant one, mm. and I, and I think that it's it's worth starting by saying that it's it's a stronger theme in the New Testament than I think we sometimes assume. Mm. Um, so you know, in the Book of Revelation, it's got this famous picture of Jesus dressed in white but splattered with blood mm. and the the distinct image you get is it's, it's, yeah. it's not his yeah it's his enemies He's just been he's just been out trashing people and so he comes in splattered. In their blood, and we kind of go, oh, that doesn't seem more appropriate <laughs> the Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and then you know, and Jesus describes his own ministry as, you know, I haven't come to bring peace, but to turn fathers against sons and daughters mm. against their mothers. Like, so he he says, I haven't come to bring peace, but a sword. Um, Paul talks about judgment. It's not the fire and brimstone depictions of hell, for instance, but mm. there are some signs. Like he talks about the destruction that the unity of the church in Philippians. For instance, is a sign to the world that they will be destroyed, uh, and so the images of violence are perhaps more prominent in the New Testament than the old now that doesn't that doesn 't answer the question no, it
1: just makes it more <clears throat> makes it worse of an issue <laughs> that
2: 's right it makes it worse um, but, but then I think it invites us to consider then um, what role the violence of God plays in the overall redemptive narrative mm. right? And, and I think that there are there are kind of a couple of considerations. On the one hand, in the Old Testament, you're dealing broadly with um, a physical kingdom of Israel, like the people of God were not a spiritual community. They were a physical political Geog- geographical national group of people mm. uh, and so there is inherent in a political framework the necessity for the defense of positions right so mm. a bunch of the oracles in the in the prophets are about the surrounding nations So when the people of Israel were taken into exile as the judgment of God, Mm. part of the condition for them to be returned was that God would have to deal with the nations that had taken them into exile. And so there's these words of judgment where God is bringing about the restoration of his people by defeating their enemies so that they have that political space. So that's a big shift then in the New Testament where Jesus doesn't call us to a political empire, a a geographical kingdom. And so the nature of that judgment shifts a little bit Mm. from, from you know warfare mm. to the the language more broadly of judgment but the judgment of god then uh, as as a theological concept is is a is a necessary component of redemption right if god is going to save those who will turn to him then what is he going to do with the people who don't mm. Mm. right and and kind of the the reality is in god's ultimate plan. There aren't two ways to live. Yeah. Right. Uh, God's goal for humanity is not that, you know, that there'd be some people who would follow him and then a bunch of people who just kind of live their own lives. And as long as they don't hurt anybody, it's okay. Yeah. Mm. It's, 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 it's my way or the highway, right. It, yeah. Is, is ultimately. And so I think that the language of judgment, we need to recognize that there is an inevitability about that. Mm. That's wrapped in with the redemptive plans of God. Um, Even the fact that we would talk about redemption, that we have placed ourselves in opposition to or enmity to God through Mm -hmm. our actions and our behaviors and our inaction, suggests that there's a role for judgment. So I think like in, in the psalm, I think that we can transpose the language of holy war shall we say into the into the the key of of judgment right yeah. uh so it's not so much a call for us to take up arms and you know and and march against the oppressors but it is a recognition that part of our role is is not just to announce salvation but by implication that there's also judgment mm. right i'm saying to you if you continue living the way that you live you don't turn to jesus like that's that's ultimately a bad thing yep. right i'm not just saying this is a really great way to live i'm saying mm. it's actually the way to live and if you don't take that up it's like this is not an option between two good things
1: mm. which is the part that i think a lot of us feel really uncomfortable <clears throat> yeah. about yeah. one yeah. because you know i think we've got to acknowledge it's been done really poorly yep. in the yep. past yeah but also it is hard to kind of you know go yep. to someone particularly you know someone that you know someone that you care about yep. and go hey yeah there are consequences to the choices mm-hmm. that you're making. It's a, Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a yep. hard line to deliver.
2: And I think it, that becomes an important reason for us to have a really good idea, a really good concept and understanding of the Christian worldview, mm. right? Begins with good creation, ruined by the fall, rescued by Jesus, ultimately to be renewed, mm. right? And so we have to kind of keep in mind that it, we don't start with judgment and judgment is, is ultimately not God's final word, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's an implication of Of what he is planning to do mm. um and, and it is it is difficult to to speak about mm. but it's you know the church is to some degree a sign that that's happening right because we're declaring we believe that this is the way God's called us to live and that by doing so we have turned away from destruction yeah so just by being the church there's this sense of oh wow, okay you mean if we don't live that way mm. now people might mm. not choose to believe that all of those sorts of yeah. things so
0: which I think was like a, a big thing when you're a little kid, like that's what brings you to God, isn't it? That kind of like a fear of the other option. Yep. Mm. And then as you grow, you know, grow more in your faith, it becomes a little bit more about the relationship and, mm. and focusing on that rather yeah. than the... The other side, yeah, yeah. And, we, and we need to be careful <laughs> about of that. Yeah. You know,
2: we don't want to, we don't want to. I don't think we want to scare people into the no. kingdom no. of God. No. Uh, that, that, that there may be an element where people kind of go. So what you're saying is, mm. and that that motivates their movement towards Jesus. So I think we do want to have that. We're holding out life,
1: mm.
2: not a uh, kind of a rescue buoy f- f- to avoid yeah. to avoid death yeah. right we're actually saying this is a this is a relationship, and you enter into this relationship and oh boy, it's going to change your whole mm. life. So I think we have to be very, very careful with mm. that and and can I just say I think it's important to say like I hope this doesn't come across as well, that's the answer to the violence of God because like there are still passages that yeah. we find really troubling confronting and really confronting. And, and so while there's some theological frameworks to kind of, Mm. um, to view them in particular ways, they're still not, they're still not easy. And so if, you know, if, if any of the listeners are kind of going, yeah, but mm. that's a completely legitimate response. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'd be a little bit worried if you kind of went, Oh, that's the answer <laughs> and, and we're all done. I didn't realize it was so simple. It's its not simple.
1: Well, that's good. Cause I've got a, yeah, but um, <laughs> just like rewinding a little bit, you were talking about, um, I guess, you know, the exile and how God's judgment came upon those who, you know, had a part to play in the exile of, of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know how, yeah, God played a big part in kind of smiting for lack of a better word, the <laughs> the enemies of God's people. Um, I guess like that, that has that imagery and, and I guess those stories have really fed this idea of that Holy war. And you kind of mentioned mm-hmm. that language mm-hmm. as well. And, and that, you know, a war and and ultimately the actions that occur during a war yeah. can be tied to the call of God, which, yeah. you know, obviously we read in scripture and we see that as um, as truly God at work, but then we see it in our world historically, but also, you know, you mm-hmm. could even say presently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, it it doesn't feel as certain. It just seems open to interpretation. So I guess my question is, like, does God really interact in our political systems in those kinds of situations the way that we see him interacting in the Old Testament? Or is that a huge question yeah, that really it, it has no answer? It sounds a bit answer? like a fourth question. It probably but,
2: is. But yeah, I think broadly speaking, we believe that, yes, God does intervene. Mm. Um, the question of how he does that becomes a little bit more problematic, yeah. right? Is it only with Christian politicians? Mm. Or is it with those who have no faith? And again, scripture would suggest that no God works in all circumstances Mm. for His purposes. So I like we kind of go fine, but what's the specific example that becomes that becomes really problematic for us to identify? Yes, this is God. That's not God. Mm. Um, Those sorts of things. And I reckon that you know it's worth noting that even in the Old Testament, I think um, we're given. we're kind of given the prophetic interpretation of events, mm. but there also would have been, shall we say, a strictly, a strictly political explanation, right? Yeah. So more was going on than just God doing these amazing things. There was like politics. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, in Jeremiah, for instance, Jeremiah is called to wear this yoke representing Babylonian supremacy. Mm. And he is to go and speak to, and this is—I think this is remarkable. It shows you how powerful prophets were. He's basically going to speak to the ambassadors from the surrounding nations who have all come to Jerusalem for the ancient equivalent of the G7s, mm. right? All the local <laughs> international ambassadors have shown up to say, "What are we going to do do about Babylon?" And Jeremiah has shown up and basically said, "This is what the Lord says: You need to submit to Babylon." You resist and you're going to be wearing a yoke. The yoke is here. Yeah. Just submit to Babylon and you'll live. you live. You may not have your independence, but this is what God has outlined. And you just kind of think about the reality of all these ambassadors going back to their countries. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the, the voice of the prophet was a normal voice in politics. And so they would have shown up to the king and the king would have said, so what'd you learn? What, what's the what's the mood out there? And they said, you know, this is what people are saying, but also a prophet of Yahweh of the people of Israel, this is the word that he said, I need to share with you. Mm. And that would have been taken as part of the overall story. So you just think there's, there's all sorts of, political stuff happening, mm. you know, economies and militaries and independence and petty dynasties and all this trying to figure themselves out in the midst of it all. And mm. God was at work in, in, that, confusion, in, in that confusion as well.
1: Which is probably why it's confusing for us yeah. now to yeah. wrap our heads around. Yeah, it. That's right.
2: So, uh, like, uh, yeah, again, it's a, it's a big question, mm. but uh, I think we would have to affirm by faith that yes, <laughs> we just don't know how.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay, and on that, let's move on to question number two.
2: <laughs> that's a segue. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Psalm 49 talks a lot about um, humility and that, that is why we're to praise God because he, um, he, you know, he delights in those who fear him and he crowns the humble in victory. Mm-hmm. So in our cultural context that is filled with entitlement, how do we train ourselves in humility?
2: Wow, Okay. How do we train probably ourselves? In- <laughs> yeah, because we're from the Shire, yeah. and entitlement flows. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Let's be real. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I mean, I, um,
2: I, again, I think there's probably a couple of um, a, a couple of things that I would that, that I would encourage people to be thinking through, in that in that sense, one is you know to recognize the entitlement or, mm. or the things that work against humility, um, because if we don't have a very clear idea about what we're fighting, we're, we're just going to be swinging at air, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think it, it does begin with saying, okay, so what is it in our culture, in our context right now that makes humility particularly difficult, right? So if you, you know, um, in the first century, um, humility was not a virtue in the Greco-Roman society. To be humble was not something that your average run-of-the-mill person thought was a good thing to mm. do. And so there was a distinctly different challenge in that context than there is for us, right? Mm-hmm. So we just kind of have to recognize, okay, what are we dealing with here? Well, we're dealing with a culture that tells us from birth that we, as in I, am the most important person yeah. on the planet, mm-hmm. that I'm in charge of my life or I should be, that mm-hmm. I need to take control of things that take place. Like, there's just all this stuff that feeds into the the me and I mentality. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I mean... I suppose we could say that's a bad thing, but it's not so much about even saying whether it's a bad thing or a good thing. Mm. Initially, it's just about saying that's going to hinder the pursuit of humility. Yeah. Let's not beat ourselves up by saying, oh, like our our culture's so narcissistic because mm. what we end up ultimately doing is we end up pointing the finger at other people. <laughs> Look at all the places where you see it. So we just have to kind of back off the judgment and kind yeah. of go, you know what? This is what's working against humility in my life. Mm. And then that allows us to start undermining some of those things, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so some of that might be as simple as, you know, not being on social media as much, right? That might actually be a strategy that helps promote some humility or not posting for a particular period of time or only posting about other people in your life, not about you, Right, not about what you're eating or where you've been, but about what someone in your life has done or what they've Mm. accomplished or they've achieved. Just, just subtle Mm. changes that just help promote this idea of helping us think of other people before we think of ourselves. Because it's not thinking. It was I think it was at C.S. Lewis who said humility is not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. Right? So it's not about, again, beating ourselves up and saying, oh, I'm not worthy. No, that's not it. It's about basically saying, I want to put other people first. Yeah. Right? That's the humility that Jesus has. So I think you're trying to identify those things in culture that work against that. Like mm. what is it that keeps us from focusing on other people? And we could probably come up with a pretty long list. A few. A few. There's a few things. <laughs> and, and, then, two. and then basically I think we as individuals in our own discipleship need to kind of make that a matter of our discipleship mm. and basically say, okay, Holy Spirit, I've identified some of the reasons why I find this hard. Mm. So would, would, you, would you partner with me or can I partner mm. with you uh, in, in bringing about a true humility? Mm. And I want to do that by paying attention in a couple of areas in my life, a few places where I know that I tend to be more arrogant, more self-focused, mm. um, more interested in my needs than in the needs of others. And, and again, you know, trying to find those areas, I think that's probably a helpful way forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I think the, cha- the one of the big challenges for us is that the Bible um, praises humility, right? So the Old Testament is full of examples, and these get pick, picked up in the New Testament as well. That God opposes the proud; mm-hmm. He lifts up the, the humble. He opposes the proud, and so you know, we have to then be aware of kind of, you know, kind of checking in with ourselves a bit to say, mm. okay, where am I sitting on this spectrum? Cause I'm not sure it's ever a matter of, yeah, I'm a proud, arrogant, so-and-so, or I'm super humble. Like, it, you, know, <laughs> like you know, you're probably on some sort of spectrum all the time yeah. uh, and, and monitoring that becomes important. So it's a, it's a, it's a discipleship issue, mm. ultimately.
1: I love that we're like, once again, like we're picking up our church's value of being on purpose mm-hmm. and doing that kind of personal audit of our life. Yeah. I, I actually think it it is a really helpful way to kind of view it from the perspective of um, like these things within our culture, they're not – bad Mm -hmm. but they do they can hinder they have Mm -hmm. the capacity to hinder and Mm -hmm. so the challenge is not to remove them from your life but the challenge is to understand where and how they hinder and then um being on purpose in kind of in in an awareness of that and being proactive in kind of taking that power away from from the things in our culture um because yeah, like for one person it might be the use of social media, but mm-hmm. for someone it might be completely different. Um, yeah.
2: I mean, I think I'd probably, I'd probably in- say that there there is a time, there is a time for judgment on some of those things. Mm. There may be some things in our lives that we go, you know what, I need to stop doing this. Yeah. That it is actually. Bad, unhelpful, mm. um, but I think it's that initial stance of just kind of going, let's just see, yeah. like, what's impacting, and and not jumping too early. It's you know one of the skills of you know writing good essays. You know you've got to be able to read an author and be able to say this is what the author said without saying he was right or wrong or she was right or wrong or Mm. whatever. It's just kind of this is what they said. This is their argument. And then you have to figure out, do I agree? Do I disagree? Do Mm. I think this is an agreement with some modifications, disagreement with some modifications? So it's that two-stage process. But there is some things in our lives that perhaps the Spirit of God will cut and put his finger on and say, okay, that has to go. Mm. We're not modifying that. We're not um, tinkering with it. It's just the, the solution is it needs to go. And so we need to be open to that. Mm. Um but but yeah, but I think, you know, broadly speaking, I think you you're right on you're right on kind of what we need to be doing. Uh, and I think being others focused is another one of our values and that's humility. Mm. Yeah. You know, kind of putting our attention on others and saying, okay, how can I put their needs first? How can I put their um uh, how can I put them ahead of myself? Mm. Yeah. So. Mm.
0: Yeah, I really struggle with (laughs) not talking about myself. Um, I think it comes from like my fear.
1: (laughs) there. (laughs) Excuse
0: me. Just my fear of silence and my initial thing is like, well, I've got things to talk about. I'll just talk about my things. But I think it was like a year or two ago, um, I don't know whether it was a part of your sermon, something I learned at church was just like straight off the bat, ask them how they're going. Mm. So simple. Little child Jess didn't learn that skill when she was <laughs> <laughs> learning how to communicate. But that's something I try and do now more and more is just intentionally, as soon as I sit down with someone, how are you going? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then asking a follow-up question, not being like, oh, you're going like that? Oh, well, cool. Let me talk about my how well I'm going. <laughs> All right,
1: tick that box. Now we can move to <laughs> Look, it's hard to,
0: it sounds like a simple skill, but it's really hard.
1: No, but I'm interested. So you've been working on it for a while. Mm. How's it, like, how's it gone? Is it becoming a little bit more
0: natural for you? Yeah, well, you tell me, listeners, <laughs> friends of mine out there. How has it gone? <laughs> some days are better than others. Yep, and bless. some people are better than others. I think I'm, I'm, I'm an awkward person socially. <laughs> And so, like sometimes, I find it easier.
1: Yeah, no, I totally get but that fear of silence. But it is something I'm silence. very aware of and working <laughs> on.
2: <laughs> well, and, and, but to some degree, can I say that's the that's the point as far as mm. I'm concerned? Mm. I think we have to identify those areas where it's like, you know, what here's here's where here's where my lack of humility seems to show up for mm. me, and and we just get into it. Yeah, yeah there are times when you're in an awkward social setting and the best thing to do is just keep talking, (laughs) you know, but you know, I think that, you know, that, that identification is that that's a really, that's the first step. Because Mm. if we're, if we're just kind of going, I'm just going to be more humble, uh, you're on a, you're on a road to nowhere Mm. because you you haven't really identified the problem. You haven't really identified what it looks like in your life. And therefore you're not going to have any kind of strategies apart from just kind of, you know, some Holy spirit blessing that Mm. just kind of removes it from you with, Without you being aware. So, Mm. being aware of those times and places becomes important. Cool.
1: Well, let's move on to question three. All right, so, Radar, wrapping up our big three with the third and final question. I think I can totally relate to the heart cry. Of this question, I think we've all had moments like this, um, whether it be on Sunday at church or just during our week. Um, but you know, obviously, this psalm and and many of the psalms are a call to praise. Um, at times, and this is our question: at times, I don't understand God or feel a sense of disconnection from Him. How do I live out real praise instead of just pretending? Mm. Because, like, real talk, Mm. I've definitely had some pretending moments. Oh, yeah. You know, fake it till you make it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, well, uh, this is, I mean, this is, I mean, all of these answers are, I guess, my opinion. But, um, I, I mean, I think that there is sometimes something valuable in the fake it till you make it approach. Um,
0: that's how I got through midwifery. Oh wow, that's comforting. that was not
1: uh, the <laughs> reflection
0: I thought we were going to get today.
2: <laughs> I would have thought that's an inside thought yeah. as well. Just <laughs>
1: Can you like unpack that a little bit yeah. for me? Because that seems very counterintuitive to everything I've ever <laughs> learned yeah. about faith. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, I think that you know a lot of what we. Um, A lot of how we learn, of course, is through imitation. Mm. A lot of what we learn is through practice, right? It's very rare that we kind of immediately kind of capture or master a skill without Mm. having done any work. And to assume that praise is just some sort of um, natural overflow in every moment of our life, I think, reduces praise a little bit. Mm. Because there there are times in our lives when, shall we say, praise and thankfulness and gratitude is dead easy. Mm. Right, where well, there's just this real sense, you know, to kind of take the opposite of that question. There are times when you're feeling really close to God, there are mm. times when um, you know, you're you very evident of uh, His presence or His blessings or whatever it might be, and and praise is, is, is easy. But th- for the majority of our lives, I think we have to try to be a little bit more deliberate and on, and on purpose about that. Mm. Uh, and I think to, to you know, the kind of fake it to you, make it piece, I'd modify it with two things. First of all, I think. When we're praising, particularly now, you know, we haven't done this for a while, but when we're with other people, our experience in worship is actually um, teaching other people too,
0: hmm.
2: right? It's not about you in that moment, hmm. right? It can often feel that way. We have a very individual um Kind of appreciation of worship, yeah, you know, oh, this is my song, or this is th- 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 this really does it for me or whatever. yeah, you know, whatever it might be and 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 there are times and that and that's fine, and the psalms are filled with I songs as well, mm. so like it's not as if you have to always be about me, but you know um there's there's something that we can do for other people, even when when we're not kind of feeling it, mm. right, where we can demonstrate a heart that is committed to seeking to praise the Lord, yeah. Right. And we kind of go through the motions. And I think that the danger is that we end up always going through the motions. Yeah. Right. Where we're always faking it and we never make it. (laughs) Uh, And and, and that's, and that's, and that's where you get the inauthenticity. Yeah. Right. Where there's a lack of genuineness Mm. to it. And so we have to be, we have to be careful of that. But, You know, again, when churches used to meet, um, I know that some are, but yeah, that's right. So so long ago. (laughs) But, you know, and uh, and, when I would speak at other churches, I would generally sit near the front, you know, so you were close to where you needed to be. But I also tried, even if I didn't really know the songs, you know, because you you go to another church and they sing a different set of songs. And even if I didn't know them, I really tried to sing along Mm. because I thought what I was doing was like people were looking at me. I'm sitting in the front, so that's weird, but like the people <laughs> go, Oh, that's the guest. And so I thought it was really important that I um, demonstrate an attempt to enter into worship. Yeah. Right. And so just trying to sing along, even if I was kind of mumbling most mm. of the time and really reliant on the words cause I didn't know the song or the tune, I thought that was a really important thing to do now often because I didn't know the words or I didn't know the song. It wasn't a, like a super experience of personal worship, mm. but, but it was a moment for me to go, this isn't actually about me. This is about modeling mm. what we're trying to do here. This is important. So I'm not just going to stand here and not sing. Mm. I'm going to try to engage. And so I think that that's pretty in- invaluable for people to realize that there is an opportunity to model that. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, we we are not called to praise God only when things are good. We're also called to praise him when things are tough,
1: mm.
2: right? That's that's part of it, right? Yeah. So Psalm 150, which of course we didn't look at, is this kind of, it's, it's a weird hymn because it basically says, praise the Lord. But when you look for a reason why, there's not really a reason why. It just basically says, just praise the Lord. Just do it. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and to some degree, as the last Psalm, if people kind of go, yeah, but why? The, the compiler would say, you need to go back to the beginning and read this again. Yeah. Because the the whole book of Psalms indicates why you should praise the Lord. And mm. what's interesting is there's like 70 laments in there. mm there's a whole bunch of stuff where the psalms, psalmists are basically going. This is so hard. God is completely distant. Uh, I've been and I've been shamed by my enemies. Uh, like there's just all this stuff. And mm. yet at the very end of the psalter, he goes, "Just praise the Lord." Yeah. If you can breathe, if you can blow into something, blow into something. If you have got mm. something to strum on or bang on, do it. Why? Oh, please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Right. The whole like everything and, and 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 the reality is though that when God feels distant and absent. Praise is hard to, Must it's up. hard to generate. Yeah. Mm. And, and so I think that idea of, you know, um, of, of doing the best we can, mm. you know. And I think that ultimately, you know, the fake it till you make it part. I think if, if I were to say when that proverb or whatever it is, mm-hmm. is, is useful, is as long as we are seeking to make it, yeah, then it's okay. Mm-hmm. If our emphasis is ever on just faking it, But not really on getting anywhere, that's going to lead to inauthenticity. Mm, But if we're like, you know what, I really want to praise the Lord. I do not feel like praising the Lord right now. I I feel distant from Him. I I can't, I just, it's been a rough week or a rough month. I like, I just, I just, I can hardly, I'm, 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 you're lucky I'm here. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You're lucky I'm standing up and trying to sort of smile. But I want to, I want to praise the Lord Mm -hmm. because I recognize that. You know all the things that he has done, all the things mm. he means for, like all. Oh, and I, I realize that I just oh, I can't. Well, then fake it, but aim to make it. Yeah. Right. If we ever just become, oh, I'm just going to go through the motions, then then we're in a heap yeah. of strife. So, I think if our heart is set on praising the Lord, mm. then then we can we can we can sing. Yeah. We yeah. can uh, we can we can pray. Mm. Uh, it might not be the most fulfilling. Moving, spine-tingling moment of our week, but there's something about that rhythm that becomes really important for us. You know, and rhythms, you know, they create patterns and patterns create grooves, right? Mm. And and those grooves can be really helpful for us, particularly, you know, when things are going well, to be um, focused on praise, Mm. right? So that we're, you know, not just sort of taking it for granted, but saying, oh, I'm feeling great. I really want to praise the Lord now so that, our default becomes to kind of slip into the praise groove. Mm. Even when things are bad, it's like, oh, oh, here I am. Okay, uh, well, thank you, Lord, that you're with me in this crappy time. Yeah. You know, thank you that even though I can't feel your presence, I believe that you're with me. Mm. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that is praying with groans that are inexpressible. Uh, thank you for my community. Like, we just drop into that, yeah. Yeah. you know, and so trying to build that default becomes, I think, pretty important.
0: I also find yeah. that in that, you, there's usually a lot of healing during worship. If you come into um, a moment of worship thinking, I'm just not in the mood, mm. if you just start singing and start focusing on, I mean, our worship is good that it gives us the words, start focusing on the words that you're singing. You're often like, there's been a few moments in my worship where that turns around by the end of it or like mm. you get little bits of peace here and there during mm. worship mm. Mm. Yeah. that you wouldn't have had if you had just thrown in the towel and said, I'm not into worship today.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I just get this sense of like, you know, language like faking it and pretending. It's got this really negative connotation yes. yeah. to it. But, you know, ultimately everything that you just said, it's it's just all about leaning in mm-hmm. and being expectant. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll you might be a little bit expectant, you might be hopeful, you might need it. Yeah. You may not get it or yeah. you, you, not the way you wanted it. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think that whole once again you're you're creating rhythms in your life mm-hmm. that will actually um, really create deep-rooted mm. practice of praise. Yeah, I think,
2: you are know, like our Roman Catholic friends would talk about being a practicing Catholic or a mm. non-practicing Catholic, right? And a non-practicing Catholic is one who just doesn't go to church but yeah. still counts themselves Catholic. And so I think, again, it falls into that whole kind of, what is that all about? But I think there is something valuable to say that I am a practicing Christian. Mm. You know, like not only am I attempting to live the Christian life, but I'm, you know, at a very simple level, I am practicing. Yeah. You know, and so some days... You know, some days training went really well, <laughs> you know, and I mastered a new skill and yeah. I really feel that that drill was great. And the other weeks it's like, oh man, I just had two left feet and, you know, <laughs> couldn't get anything right. Yeah. And it was just a disaster. Well, okay. Mm. The point is you don't throw it all in, but you're like, I'm, I'm a practicing Christian. Mm. I am practicing mm. uh, some of the skills Amen. that are required. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Story is my, my life. Life. <laughs> Yeah, but we don't tend to use that language, which, yeah. and, and maybe, maybe we should, maybe mm. we should think about adopting it. I don't know.
0: I know I will. Yes,
1: <laughs> great stuff, Mark. Thanks so much for that. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I like I knew coming in with these questions that there was going to be some good meat to chew on. Mm. Um, Gross. And yeah, just, just a little just to put a picture in everyone's yeah. head. Um, no, but you've definitely left me with plenty to consider yeah, and to really take into my week. I hope definitely that's been the case for our listeners mm. so thanks heaps for joining us
2: pleasure thanks Next so much
0: week, your theme song is coming yeah <laughs> <laughs> great I spoke too soon <laughs> what rhymes
2: just with the and breath: yep. skin
1: <laughs> just heaps of stuff mm. in that I felt like we, we covered a number of different areas of not just like just understanding who God is and what that means for our life and how we are transformed like it's we jumped all over the place but in a really good way yeah uh, like how has this chat with Radar kind mm. of changed your thoughts or kind of clarified things for you? Where are you sitting after after all of mm, that? Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I really loved the discussion around the third question, mm. knowing that you know, God knows us, he knows we're real people and we have lots of emotions and I have a lot of emotions Mm. and knowing like that the psalmist, you know, there was praise, 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 lament, praise, praise, lament, you know, like it was all over the place and that's okay Mm. that there's moments where you don't feel it, but as long as you show up and that's kind of what it's all about. It's just, you know, it's a day by day journey and we never kind of reach the end goal, but Just working on it and working hard mm. for it. Yeah.
1: Having those training sessions.
0: Yeah, I'm not into training. No, me <laughs>
1: either. <laughs> That's not the language that he should use to draw me in. Yes.
0: That and essays. We just uh, haven't done well today. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't mentioned eating, then that yeah. would have been oh, like yeah. just chew well, yeah, chew on oh, it yeah. a little bit more. Not so, good for the vegetarians <laughs> in the audience, though. So. What about you,
0: Matt? What did you take? From um it?
1: that humility piece, like, I I, I was um convicted by it, I think. Mm. But also, um, you know, I, I, I was, I don't know, I was excited. It's not the right word, but I was like, no, yeah, there is, this isn't about just ripping shreds on mm. on me and my shortcomings, which trust me, there are plenty, yeah. but um, but this is about just being intentional and inviting the Holy Spirit into that space and um, allowing his wisdom to speak truth into my life and and kind of have that that opportunity to kind of put everything on the table and kind of go, okay, what's, what's building me up and what's not mm. so much. Um, I think that's a, that's a great challenge and I think we get scared of that and I definitely know I get scared of that. I get scared to welcome other people to speak into that space mm. um, but I also think it's uh, an awesome opportunity to really um, be refined by, by God's truth, God's word and his character. So, mm. yeah, that really stood out to me. I think the cultural stuff is always something that we're grappling with.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, well, another great week. Yeah. Another, another big three.
0: Good to have you back, man.
1: <laughs> if you want to be a part of the conversation, make sure that you join us for our online services this Sunday at gbconline.org.au and that you snap the Slido QR code before the sermon to get involved. If you've enjoyed the Big Three podcast today, take the time to give a star rating and be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes. Well, thanks for joining us for this week's Big Three and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there's no thought too small no question too big.